Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Stephanie. And together, we're bringing healthy back. Welcome to episode 11 of the Bringing Healthy Back podcast. I am Maria and I am with Coach Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Hey. Welcome, welcome, everybody. You guys, today is a podcast of no other. I am telling you, this one's going to be fun, informative. And it's something that is both very near and dear to mine and Stephanie's hearts. We are talking about sleep. And if you are somebody who's listening, go, oh, I don't need to listen. I get eight hours of sleep. Let me just encourage you to keep listening because even those that think they're getting good sleep, you're going to find out through this podcast that you might not be getting good sleep. And we're going to give you our top 10 things that you can do easy starting today to help improve your sleep. And you don't have to start them all today, but you may pick one a week or one a month to work on. And by next year, have your sleep, super sleep going on. So Stephanie, what, you know, like how important is sleep to you? What are, why, why do you have it so important on your list? Well, I mean, I, I personally, of course, feel the effects of the difference between getting a good night's sleep and not getting a good night's sleep. Um, and it's, usually cognitive, uh, and mood, my mood is off and, um, my reflexes are off. Um, and then the more research that I've done, um, after going through my health coaching program and, um, learning about how important sleep is, it has definitely become a passion of mine. How about you? Why do you feel so strongly about it? Well, you know, I always thought that I got pretty good sleep and I like you, even when we had children, so we have five kids, right? And Kevin was always the one who did the nightly feedings because I just, I always needed my sleep or I was a Royal BI, you know what, (laughs) um, if I didn't get my sleep. So I've always been accustomed to getting a good night's sleep. And then yes, like you, like after a late night or not getting a lot of sleep, I would feel like crap the next day, brain fog, just yucky. Right. And then as I was getting into the health coaching world, I thought I was getting good sleep because I was very aware of it. And I got a sleep tracker. And then I realized I wasn't getting such good night sleeps because sleep is not necessarily about the hours. It's about your cycles, your deep sleep, your REM sleep, your light sleep, and how they pattern and how much of it you're getting, which we'll get into later. But, you know, sleep is is not just about feelings, but here's some things I want to just mention real fast that sleep deprivation has a direct effect on. So obesity has been linked women that are having a hard time losing weight that I'm working with. It's interesting. It's almost always sleep can be an issue. Of course, there's other issues, but sleep is a big factor. Alzheimer's dementia, brain fog, afternoon crash at two, three o'clock in the afternoon is linked to poor sleep diabetes, increased insulin levels. Um, and there was a study done that the British journal of medicine had done. And it was, it was based over six different countries. So six different countries participated in the sleep study. And it was, it would, they were looking specifically at COVID-19. Now we all know that the immune system has a lot to do with COVID-19, right? And the effects of how strong it is, how many side effects, how many symptoms you're going to have. Now, this one was specifically done just on COVID-19, but I just want to encourage people to think bigger. It's, it's more about the immune system and how the immune system works. 
So they did a sleep study over six different countries and they found that the longer sleep you had, the lower your odds of getting COVID-19. So just getting it, not even having less symptoms, anything, just getting it. And for every hour you increased from their baseline, you had a 12% chance less of getting COVID. So five hours of sleep was the baseline, which unfortunately I think is more realistic for Americans than we think. So they took the out five hour baseline. So if you add six hours sleep, so one extra hour, you lessen your chance of COVID by 12%, seven hours, 24%, and eight hours of sleep, you are lessening your chances of COVID by 36%, which is to me, (laughs) right? Like I am blown away by that number, but let's just remember this is, this to me is bigger than COVID. This is about strengthening the immune system and being able to get in touch with any viruses or any sicknesses and be able to plow through it. And I want to mention, don't sit here and think, oh, I get eight hours. I'm fine. That doesn't mean you're getting good quality of sleep. And we're going to talk a little bit about this. One thing that's super important that I want you to touch on is sleeping pills. Can you explain to everyone listening when somebody's taking a sleeping pill and they get eight hours, nine hours of sleep, What's really happening stuff? Yeah. So sometimes you're warned, like, you know, you may feel a little groggy when you wake up and you're thinking that it's the medication that's making me groggy when I wake up. What's really happening is that medication is not putting you into a deep sleep, which we constantly use the word restore or restorative. That is your most restorative, most important sleep. Sleeping pills will put you in a suspended state because it's a hypnotic, right? It's not really. Yeah. Okay. It puts your brain to where you're just kind of like floating. So you're not conscious. You wouldn't be like, oh, I'm not really sleeping. I'm just floating here. It puts you into where you think you're sleeping. It's a very light level of sleep. You're not going through your sleep stages. You're not getting the REM. You're not getting the, the deep sleep that you need. And then you wake up thinking you slept for however many hours you think you slept eight, nine, 10, it could be 12 and you weren't really sleeping. You weren't getting that restorative healing, um, imperative sleep that you need to be getting. Right. And that's, you know, people, people go on those medications. And it's supposed to be, it's just like these proton pump inhibitors for indigestion. They're supposed to be short-term to heal you. And people end up on them for 10, 15, 20, the rest of their lives. When that wasn't what it was intended for, we just keep prescribing and prescribing those sleeping pills are supposed to, to get you to where you can fix some things in the meantime, they are really not, not really helping anybody. Um, they're meant for insomnia and they are meant as like a last resort because there are so many, as you will learn from the rest of this podcast, there are so many things that you can do to, um, help your sleep, the quality of your sleep, the longevity of your sleep. So that's what we're going to kind of dig into now. Yeah. And you touched on that those, um, sleeping agents and other things, but we're just talking specifically about these sleeping pills. They don't allow you to get into a deep sleep and guys listen up. Deep sleep is the most important part of your sleep. 
There is a detoxification process that goes on while you're in deep, deep sleep. It is 10 times more detoxifying when you're sleeping than when you're awake. And so all of your cells, your brain cells, they call it like a brainwashing that goes on. All of the toxins get washed out out of your system and it happens when you're sleeping. And deep sleep is 10 times more effective than any other form of sleep. So if you're taking these things and you're not detoxifying um, your body and your system, I mean, you are creating just a inflammation firestorm and it's going to end up hurting you. I was reading um, in one of the journals that there's a 6% higher morbidity on people who take sleeping pills and an increase in cancer. And it's just because you have this huge inflammation storm going on and your body can't detoxify from it. It can't recover from it because you're not, you're not lessening or you're not getting your deep sleep. So if you are on sleeping meds, obviously work with your doctor or work with, you know, somebody, but I would just encourage you even while you're still taking them until you can get off of them, pay attention to all these things that we're doing. Even if you think you're getting good night's sleep, just add these things in that we're going to talk to you about and just see. Maybe you'll feel a lot better in the morning. Maybe you'll have more energy throughout the day, but I feel like we all need these. So let's go. I feel like people don't think about sleep as much or things that are going on internally because they can't see them. Mm -hmm. So if you had some massive cut on your arm and six months went by and it didn't heal at all, you'd be like, something is way wrong. Something's off, right? Yep. You haven't healed. And all of this healing that's going on inside of our body when we sleep, our bodies are just absolutely incredible. The way that God designed sleep and what it does for our body um, and how we were originally meant to sleep when it gets dark and wake up when it's light um, and to go through those sleep cycles, we're healing on the inside. There is stuff going on that you, you can't imagine that you can't see unless you really, you know, start studying it and knowing what's going on when we sleep. So just think about the fact that we're doing damage to our body when we're awake and that our sleep is there to repair all of that. And And the other thing I wanted to touch on with the, um, with COVID, um, and this, this is a study that was done about all vaccines. This is not just the COVID shot. Um, if you're getting less than six hours a night, you are 11 times, not one or two times, 11 times less likely to be protected by a vaccine. Wow. So not only are, you know, are we saying that the sleep is important to prevent you from getting sick or getting COVID, but if you're like, that's okay, I just got the vaccine, you're 11 times less likely to be protected if you are getting less than six hours of sleep. That all of these things are just mind blowing to me. Yeah. Just, yeah. It just so important. how important it is. And if you're, if you are concerned about aging, let me tell you, a lot of anti-aging stuff goes on when you're sleeping too. Mm-hmm. And you can really slow the aging process down, um, by getting great sleep and just taking care of yourself, obviously in general. So Let's get started. You start with your, the number one, what is your tip? Okay. Well, this, we talk about planning things, right? So when Marie and I run our 10 day healthy eating challenge, or when we're coaching people, we really talk about them planning things, planning their meals, planning their food. 
nobody really takes the time to plan their sleep. And we're losing more and more sleep because of the demands of our jobs and things like that. So if you know, you've got stuff coming up for the week and you think, gosh, I'm going to have to like work through all these hours where I'm supposed to be sleeping and I'm going to get this work done. You're actually not doing yourself any favors or your job. So if you've got some big project coming up or, you know, it's a busy time at work, plan your sleep out. It's just like anything else, the more effort you put into it and, um, time that you're willing to give it, the better you're going to, the better off you're going to be. So plan your sleep. And in in, in that planning, let's, let's just touch upon the optimal times to sleep. And we're, we're going to, at the end, we're going to kind of go through and talk about the what ifs, like, you know, people who all these things don't fit in, you can't do because maybe your schedule or just because of your circumstances. So we'll get to the what ifs, but let's talk about like, you know, getting to bed at the optimal time is 10 PM, right? Because between 10 PM and 2 AM, is literally when all the gorgeous sleep happens. That's when you get all the restorative sleep. That's when you get most of your deep sleep. So between 10 and 2 a.m. So if you're planning your sleep, like Stephanie's talking about, you really want to make sure that you're trying to get in bed between 10 and 10.30 at the latest, right? Yep, absolutely. And then having a consistent sleep schedule, you know, trying to go to bed and get up at the same time every single night. Yep. Um, and that, and that might mean winding down quite a, you know, a, a, we'll talk about more about this in a bit, but winding down earlier than that, you, you don't want to start winding down at 10 30. Cause then you may not be falling asleep until midnight or something. And so then you miss all that 10, beautiful sleep. Yes. 10, 10, 10 30 should be when you're starting to fall asleep. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. Number two is the bedroom temperature. So they have done numerous studies on this guys and your bedroom temperature matters. So 68 degrees is what they have found to be the perfect temperature for a bedroom for optimal sleeping. Um, Anything above 75 and anything below 55 actually interrupts your sleep and causes terrible sleep to happen. So, you know, if you're the type of person who's cold at night, get some extra covers. Um, if you're sweating at night, you know, maybe you just have a thin sheet of 68 degrees is even too hot for you, but really, really try to keep that room temperature at 68. And now like you can move these temperature things that they have in the houses where it will automatically go down to 68. So just set it where it automatically goes to 68 between 10 and 6am or whatever your sleep habits are, but try and get to that 68 degrees as much as possible. Absolutely. And they have, um, resources for you. They have cooling mattress pads and, you know, maybe don't try to sleep with too much on as you can get heated in the middle of the night and not even really realize it. Um, I know there's some people that wake up sweating or, you know, whatever. So just adjust it to your, your comfort level. (laughs) Okay. So the third thing is getting sunlight. Um, this is big for your circadian rhythm, which is really what sets our wake sleep cycle. Um, and getting on a routine, like I said, planning out your sleep and then plan to try and get bare minimum of 15 minutes of sunlight during the day. I know a lot of people are stuck inside. 
Um, if you're by a window, that's good, but there's, you know, sometimes in buildings and stuff, they put certain type of UV, UV blocking and stuff. So if you can get outside on a lunch break, um, if you can get outside first thing in the morning, when the sun is rising, that's optimal. If you could get out for like a 15 minute walk, 20 minute walk, it doesn't have to be a ton, but just getting some light exposure so that your brain and your body are getting in sync to prepare you for later on that evening for sleep. Yeah. It's so miraculous when you think about it, just how perfectly planned out everything is to keep everything in sync and then how we screwed up. I mean, you think about, I don't know, it just blows me away. I I love it. And this kind of falls into number four, which is, is mine is like, the light in your house does matter. So, you know, back in the day they did go, they woke up when it was light out and they went to bed when it was dark out because they didn't have electricity and the lights in our homes, it really does trick our brains into thinking that it's daylight outside or it's still daylight. And so our melatonin production doesn't start to happen, but it's super important that your bedroom is dark. So when you go to sleep, Um, They have done even studies that our skin receptors can catch on to light and then that will interrupt our sleep. So there's a couple of things, things you can do, get rid of the, you know, clocks that have the lights on them. Um, Even the little tiny blue light from your TV or red light or whatever that shows if it's power on or power off has been shown to interrupt your sleep. It's crazy. Just a little bit. So My husband won't cave. He has to have this silly alarm clock that has these blue lights that drives me crazy. So I wear an eye mask. I figured it out. And I will tell you getting that eye mask on, like if I ever forget it, I'm going on a trip this weekend. If I forget my eye mask, I will die. I will go to the store and find an eye mask. Zero Uh, sleep if I don't have my eye mask. Yeah. It's terrible. (laughs) Terrible. So I know personally for me, and I have heard from you and others who have gone into this, you know, making sure their room is dark or wearing an eye mask. It is a game changer, simple 10 bucks, maybe at the most on Amazon, or if you can just prepare your room, get a nice dark room where they say that you shouldn't be able to see your hand in front of your face. That's how dark it should be. So that's one thing. And it was a game changer. So don't discount this if you're listening try it. It really works. Absolutely. That's funny. Um, with the clocks and stuff too, I was, uh, putting my son to bed the other night and I put our, um, oh my gosh, essential oil, my, our diffuser in his room because he was getting stuffy and stuff. So I, I put some breathe in there and some peppermint and it's got a little bit of light coming off of the buttons. And he had to make me turn it so that he couldn't, we've gotten him so used to the dark and he, he's a, um, a wild sleeper. So sleep masks aren't the greatest for him because it ends up like on the floor in the morning or whatever. (laughs) Um, so we really, really do the best we can to minimize any, he doesn't have a clock, um, on his nightstand and he can't have any teeny tiny little light coming from anything. So Yeah. You've trained him well. Good job. And that kind of leads us right into our, our next thing, which is also turning off screens. This is huge. Probably one of the biggest contributors to our sleeping problems right now. Not only are we on computer screens all day for work or whatever it is that we're doing a lot of us. 
Um, but then we come home and we're on our phones and our iPads and we're laying in bed scrolling and we watch TV and our eyes are constantly being bombarded with light. And if we're doing it right, you know, before we go to bed, um, we're not able to get the deep restful sleep that we need. We're not doing our job to prepare our bodies to get into the cycles that it needs to. So this whole podcast is about what we can do and how we can best prepare for our sleep. So you want to turn off your screens about 90 minutes before bed, a bare minimum would be like an hour. Um, and you know, this goes for you and especially your children. Um, a lot of kids fall asleep with a TV on or fall asleep with their iPad in bed. And it's, I'm just not judging or shaming or anything because you just might not know that that is going to cause problems. It's going to cause problems with their sleep, which is then going to cause problems with their brain development and them learning the next day. Um, it is imperative to swap that out for something different. And again, it's baby steps. You don't have to be like, we're not using the iPad anymore. You can start moving the time. You can start lessening the time. You can start inserting a different activity like reading um, instead of going on the screens. So getting rid of the screens about an hour and a half or as much as you can. If you can do two hours, do two hours. If you can't do any more than one hour, then do the one hour. Um, but the screens right now are really wreaking havoc on our sleep. Yeah, that, that, that they are, <laughs> I, I mean, it's crazy if people don't realize it, but some are, some people are working right up until they go to bed and it's just, it's screwing up all the sleep patterns. We see it. I, you know, I've tested it and, and, and show my sleep patterns are totally erupted from it. And it is, it's something that a lot of people just are not aware of. They don't know, and you don't know what you don't know. And I will tell you, if you've ever heard the term, you got to eat and sleep to get big, that wasn't just some ridiculous little saying. Your HGH hormones, the human growth hormones in these children are being like crazy released during their sleep. So if their sleep patterns are getting disrupted, like a lot of kids up till one, two, three in the morning, that human growth hormone is not coming out. And if you are wanting your kids to grow to their full potential, um, that's interrupting the growth. So it's, it's super important on a whole bunch of different levels, brain health, growth, um, you know, immune system, all of it. So yeah, definitely. I love the limiting of the screens. Let me ask you really quick, um, your take on having teenagers with phones or screens in their room and monitoring that. How do you, how so, do you work around that? In my house, which I can only tell you about in my house, my 17-year-old now is starting to be prepared for real life. So he has his own, like basically room in the basement and he is allowed to have his phone. Um, I have kept it from him until he was 17. And then when he went into that stage of life, now we're preparing you. I ask him to put it on airplane mode. Um, I, I would say that probably 80% of the time he does not, <laughs> you know, I'm just being honest. Um, but he does keep it far away from his bed. So it's on a dresser, which is maybe like eight feet from his bed, which is good. 
And then um, the rest of my children, they have to turn on their phones at night and we charge them for them, not in their rooms, in our rooms, in like an area of our room, all the phones are off, powered off. And all, all of our phones are powered off too. We, we shut everything off. So I think that, um, you know, being a parent, sometimes you have to, you have to be a little bit hard on them. You have to show them, but then there's a time in their life where you have to let them fly a little bit too. And I feel like my oldest is there because, you know, two years, technically he, he could be out of the house. And so we got to prepare him for real life. So that's what I do in my house. I would say, I would say blanketly, I don't think there's any reason a child should have their phone in their room um, when they go to sleep. There's all it's going to do is interrupt their sleep and it's temptation for them to get on at two in the morning when they happen to wake up to go to the bathroom and forget about it at that point. So that's just me. Yep. 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 All right. So the next one that I want to get into is how important magnesium is. I just want to briefly talk to you guys about magnesium. This is a mineral that our body has in it and magnesium is essential for good sleep. Um, we as a nation are deficient in magnesium overall. And when I do my micronutrient test on my clients, magnesium is almost always deficient. Um, you find magnesium in green leafy vegetables. So why are we deficient? Because we're not eating green <laughs> vegetables. Amen, sister. Okay, so let's just be honest. That's the reason why we're probably deficient and because of how our stuff is being grown. Even if you're eating organic, you're not getting the full amount of magnesium that they used to get 40, 50 years ago. And we're not, we're just not eating those foods anymore. So magnesium is super important. And I always believe in getting vitamins and minerals from food first, obviously one, because God created it. He understands how the synergy has to work with other vitamins and minerals to get the most of that vitamin or mineral into your system. So food is always first. So to increase your magnesium, you know, start thinking about spinach and kale and broccoli and all of these different green, green, well, broccoli is not leafy, but it does have magnesium in it. But just start thinking of these different ways. Pumpkin seeds actually have great source of magnesium. So build a salad around magnesium, right? Just think magnesium rich salad. Um, but if that's not something that's going to work for you, juice plus is a great way to bridge the gap. There's a lot of green, um, in juice plus, and that will help build up your magnesium. And then worst case scenario, if you just either aren't on juice plus or can't add in green leafy vegetables, you can take a supplement. Um, I, the problem with supplements though, and isolated supplements is that they don't work the way they're supposed to in food. So you're not going to get the optimal value of it when you're isolating it. Now, when it comes to magnesium, you can take a supplement or I really recommend a topical cream because it gets right into the skin surface and it's going to get absorbed. If you don't have a very healthy gut and you're taking a supplement, more than likely, not much of that is going to get into your system. So, but if you, if you do a, um, a magnesium lotion, it has a better chance of, of getting absorbed, but honestly try and get it from food and then piggyback it and bridge the gap with juice. Plus magnesium is very important. Awesome. Love that. Yeah. I love magnesium and it's changed my life <laughs> <laughs> in many ways, sleep, grouping at all. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. All the sleep, all the poop. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. <laughs> okay, so our next thing ties into um, the last thing I spoke about, which was turning off your screens. Um, blue light blockers. This is a great hack um, for really any time you are on a screen. Um, the blue light is what really is wreaking havoc on our sleep with regards to the screens. They're super cheap. You can get them on Amazon, anywhere. Anytime you're on a screen, you pop those on, you're not getting the blue light, which is what is telling you to stay awake. And it is telling your melatonin to not release, to make you sleepy. So um, putting those blue light blocking glasses on, especially if you um, you know, are working late on a computer screen or, you know, for some reason have a hard time getting off screens in the evenings, um, so that you can start winding down. So your body can start releasing the melatonin it needs to make you sleepy. So blue light blocking glasses, Amazon do it. And they have cute ones for the kids. My kids have them. Um, they don't always wear them, but my, my one son, my second son is so good at it. He always wears his blue light glass the other ones. Uh, so, so, but they are super cheap and easy just to throw on, keep them on the nightstand. So like when you're watching TV, you can just put them on, but yeah, I love blue light blocking glasses. Oh, side note too, that just popped mm-hmm. into my head. You can actually, there's some devices. I know I have, I, we use uh, Apple. Some of us do in, in our home. There is a setting in your phone where you can turn off the blue light or you can adjust it. So that's another great hack. Um, so I know if I do go to glance at my phone at night, or if I, you know, do start scrolling or something, which happens, we're not perfect here. Sometimes I get stuck in a Facebook scroll hole. Um, (laughs) um, I, I know that there's no blue light affecting me. So that's a huge thing too, if you can do it on your, and they have them on TVs now too. Like if you have some of the newer TVs, they have it to where you can take, it's like whatever, I don't know. They just turn off the blue light at night. You can actually set it to go off. So it's really cool. So definitely. Yeah. All right. Number eight. And this one is a big one. You're not going to like me saying this, but it's true. And it's big. You need to restrict food, alcohol, and exercise at least three hours before bed. Okay. So let me just dissect this a little bit. Number one, the reason why you need to restrict food. When you sleep, we talk to you guys about how all the restoration happens and your organs get restored. If your organs and your digestive system has to work while you're sleeping because you just ate food, those are missing really, really key moments to restore and to regenerate and to get healthy again. Right? So that's one of the reasons why you shouldn't be eating food because those organs and your digestive system needs to shut down and repair. The other reason why, and this is a personal one for me, because my dad died of esophageal cancer in 2009. And one of the reasons, one of the things that attributed to his cancer was late night eating, because what would happen is he would eat late. He would go lay down and just think about gravity alone. So here's your stomach. You lay down the foods here. It's pushing up against your esophagus because you're laying down. Well, with the foods that he was eating, like ice cream and, you know, Italian foods with spices, 
it created like this corrosion. It kept his esophageal, fl the flap kept opening and the food would go back into his esophagus, which caused, you know, his indigestion in the morning. He would wake up with phlegm. Nobody ever told him this, but had he just stopped eating three hours before bed, this process wouldn't have happened and he wouldn't have needed to eat Tums like they were, you know, going on a style. And that created the perfect storm for cancer to grow because he had such irritation where his stomach and his esophagus met. So this one is really personal to me. Um, there are times, yes, where I will snack late at night and, and I think of my dad and it stops me right away. So it's just, that's the reason for food. The reason for alcohol is, is because of the sugar content, to be honest with you. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I have to have a glass of wine to fall asleep. And you're right. It probably does knock you out. It probably does make, make you sleepy, but it's disrupting your sleep in the middle of your sleep. That sugar rush, that sugar, like, ah, if you've ever drank a lot, you can wake up at one, two o'clock in the morning and your heart's racing and you kind of have the sweats and that's the sugar. That's the alcohol detoxing in your system. You've completely ruined that entire night's sleep. So do I suggest drinking at nine in the morning? No, but <laughs> <laughs> you would get better sleep, but anyway, why has that trend not caught on yet? I know, right? <laughs> so just limit the alcohol, try and stop drinking three hours before you're going to bed, start drinking water. You'll wake up so much happier anyway, because you won't be hungover. You won't feel like crap. And then exercise, it's an adrenaline thing, right? You don't want your adrenaline to be in full force by the time you're trying to fall asleep. It's counteractive to what you're actually trying to do with your body. So try and make sure that you're not working out three hours before you go to bed, just so that your body can kind of get in the zone where your blue light blocking glasses. So your melatonin can kick in and your body can get ready for what it needs is that sleep. So that's number eight. I don't know about you, but when I drink and I'm this also, well, this goes more back to the, to the days when I would drink more than, you know, two, when I would have three, four or five, yeah. um, to where I would be heavily buzzed or I guess drunk, you could call it. Um, I felt almost like that whole sleeping pill thing that we were talking about earlier. I felt like I never actually fell asleep. Right. I almost felt like I was in some kind of suspended like I wasn't even the type of person that would like pass out and then wake up in the middle of the night. I would kind of just, I never really felt like I even fell asleep. And then there were many times where I would at some point, um, wake up or my heart would start racing. And it was like almost scary Yeah, because you got to think about what you're doing to your body and all that your body is try trying to process when it's really only supposed to be focusing on restoring your brain and your tissues and your body. So, yeah. And like, you know, I mentioned I'm, I'm headed out for a girl's trip this weekend and I'm going to be drinking and I already know ahead of time, my sleep is going to be horrible. I'm sleeping in a hotel. I'm sleeping with, you know, it's just, I'm going to be drinking. So I'm already prepared for that. So we're not sitting here and telling you like never no, do yeah. this, right? It, right. It's, it's just knowing what you're getting into when you do it. And you do the risk reward thing is, is, is the reward hanging out with my girls and having fun worth the consequence of not getting a good night's sleep once or twice a year. Yes, it is yeah. every weekend. Yeah. No, no. Every weekend, every day. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. All right. Okay. What you got for number nine? Next thing. Um, caffeine. 
and this is going to be another, another hard thing, um, to talk about because I know people love their coffee. They love their pop. They love their tea. They love all things caffeine. Some people are addicted to it. Some are not. Um, people's bodies do react differently to caffeine. So there are some people that can drink it a little bit later in the day than others and, and not maybe like have a problem falling asleep or anything, but really the latest that you should be consuming caffeine is 2 PM. And again, this is just planning ahead and setting your body up for a successful night of sleep. So even if you're like, oh my gosh, I can drink coffee. I can drink a Pepsi at six or seven o'clock at night and totally sleep fine. Well, I would suggest maybe getting a sleep tracker. See if you are actually getting a good night's sleep um, and getting into that deep restorative sleep that we need. Um, I personally can't have coffee after late morning, like 11, I would say maybe noon would be my max, but I don't even usually do that anyways. I just have my one cup in the morning. Um, but I am a little sensitive to caffeine, so I can't drink that, um, in the evenings. So pay attention to your, the amount of caffeine that you're drinking. Cause that's another big factor. Um, you know, maybe not drinking 10 cups between seven and 11 in the morning, you know, that's probably not a good idea. Um, so 2 PM at the latest, and then, you know, make sure that you're not drinking too much. Um, you don't want to be like sipping on it all day long. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, used to be a coffee major drinker and I always use the excuse of I'm so tired during the day. I need it to wake up. And as you start to transition, there's definitely that like period of where you're going to suffer a couple days, right. To get past it. But as you improve your sleep, you don't have that afternoon crash like you used to. So I feel like it takes a little bit to push through things that are good for you are not easy. You're going to have a little transition period with any of these things we're talking to you about, but in the end it's worth it because you feel so much better. You look better. You have more energy. Just, I don't know, you're just overall healthier. So to me, push through and get through it. And then the last thing that we are going to talk to you about before we get to the what ifs is journaling. So I don't know about you guys, but if you have a brain that all of a sudden turns on the second that you put your head on the pillow and you remember everything that you have to do and all the things you said, like I go through conversations sometimes and go, why did I say that? Did they get offended by it? Oh my gosh. Like my brain never shuts down when I put my head on the pillow. So one of the things that I have um, developed as a habit when this happens. And I, and I use it in my health coaching too, is to journal, to have a notepad and not a journal on your phone, actually a notepad with a pen next to your bed and write down every single thing you're thinking. Cause one of the things that our brains do is they don't trust us. The brain does not trust us to remember everything that we are thinking about tomorrow. But if you show your brain, look, I wrote it all down. I can read this paper tomorrow, shut down, be quiet. It's time for me to go to bed. It actually does work. It sounds super silly, but it really does work. So if you have that kind of brain where it's just like, da, 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 write it down in a journal, close the journal and it will help you go to sleep. So you can talk is- to your brain too. You just yeah. tell your brain to be quiet. Yeah. It's time for sleep brain. <laughs> it is shut down. Anyway, shut 
So of course, whenever we're giving these type of ad advice, ad advice, it's always, there's always the exceptions to the rule, right? Always somebody who says, that's not going to work for me. That's not going to work. Okay, we get it. So like shift workers, right, Steph? I mean, they're not going to be able to go to bed at 10 o'clock. Right. So, um, and, and then there's other things, you know, um, the temperature. My husband will not let the temperature be that 68 degrees. Okay. Um, I don't want to take juice plus, so I can't really get on my magnesium or I don't want to eat green leafy vegetables. Okay. So when you hear all these objections, what are some of the responses or what is the response that you give to clients with objections? Um, well, it's always just to do the best you can. And, um, I feel like compromise is huge, especially if it comes to either a roommate or a spouse. Um, you know, if they're not willing to do it at 68 and want it at 72, maybe you can come to a compromise. All right, let's, well, obviously we're going to just put it at 70 then because we have to, you know, we have to work through this. Um, the shift work is really difficult because, you know, you, you obviously want to try to get your optimal sleep time and quality. Um, so I think the best thing with that is to just make sure that you're staying on a routine. Um, you know, a lot of shift workers get very little sleep. So they'll only sleep for three or four hours because their kids are getting off the bus and they, got off work and can't shut down right then to get to sleep. So they have to wait several hours. And then by the time they fall asleep and wake up, it's not enough and it's not good. Um, so some of the other hacks that we talked about, the, um, the sleep mask, blackout curtains, getting the room as dark as it possibly can be, um, and then shutting off your screens. Don't be scrolling on your phone trying to fall asleep. Um, really, I think being intentional with some of the tips and tricks that we're trying to share with you. Um, and then, you know, make, making sure you're scheduling your sleep, which is huge and making it a priority. So even if you have obstacles with some of these things, um, like if you can't, or don't want to take magnesium or don't want to eat the, the leafy greens, um, maybe do three of the other things that, that we're recommending that you do. So again, just give yourself grace, take baby steps. You don't have to do everything at once. Um, and just do the best that you can. What would your suggestion be? Yeah, I agree with you on all of that. I just think like if, if out of the 10, five of them, you know, you just can't do for whatever reason, then do the five that you can do. Um, start with one. It's always just starting with the first one and then being, you know, being very vigilant with it, making sure that whatever one you pick that you do consistently for a month, just say to yourself, I'm going to pick one, I'm going to do it for a month and I'm going to get really good at that one thing doing it. And I think that as you develop the habits of making better and healthier habits, it's going to get easier and easier for you when you commit to it. Sleep is so essential. So it's super important that this is something, if it is disruptive for you, that you work on and you get under control. Um, and Stephanie and I are here for you. I mean, this is what we do. So if you're getting stuck and you can't figure out a way and you're like, I, I really want to work on my sleep, I really want to get it better. But that is when you reach out to Stephanie or I, and in the show notes, both of our handles on Instagram will be there. 
um, you can always reach out to us on there and we will get in touch with you and help you in any way that we can. We both offer free consultations. So um, there's no money up front to see if, if it would be a good fit to work with either one of us. So please do that. Um, we're going to wrap it up here, but I just want to say thanks, Stephanie, for all the awesome tips that you gave. And I hope that everybody takes at least five and decides to try to start working on them throughout the rest of this year. Um, if you guys loved what you hear on this podcast, please leave a five-star review. Also share it with somebody because we all need work on sleep. Right? Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is so, I absolutely love talking about this just because there are so many things that we can do. We gave you 10 things. I want to recommend this book too. It's called sleep smarter by Sean Stevenson. He gives you 21, 21 things that you can do to sleep better. And just a wealth of information about why sleep is so important, how we've gotten so off track, um, things that you may be telling yourself about being more productive. I'll just sleep less so I can be more productive. Um, and then you get slower, less creative, more stressed out and you underperform. So you think you're doing a good thing when you're really not. So, you know, just learning about it, learning about how important sleep is. Um, and there are so many things that you can do to improve the quality of your sleep. So Thank yeah. you so much, Maria, for all of your awesome advice and for taking this time to talk with me about it and share all of this with everybody else. Yes, girl. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week. You guys all have a great week.